When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back to the Silver Fortune podcast. It's been a while since my last, uh, my last entry into this podcast. You know, there was a time where, where you'd begin these episodes, you know, three, four, five, seven times a week. Um, now it's, you know, it's been a few months actually since I've been regularly creating these. Um, but, but I felt compelled to, to, to make a, a podcast this morning talking about precious metals as well as just some other topics in the broader, uh, uh, financial um financial markets i mean there's it is crazy times we live in uh middle of january here already uh 2021 and and you know we're we're coming up on inauguration day i'm recording this actually in monday um mlk junior day coming up on inauguration um and and there's a lot to unpack but i want to start off with with the question that that is in the title of this video is silver too expensive right now? And we can add to that question, is gold too expensive right now? You know, as I speak, um, silver is, uh, you know, just shy of, I'll bring up the price here real quick, just shy of $25 an ounce, $24.92. Um, and gold is uh, $18, $1,836.88, uh, which, which is quite a bit of a pullback. You know, gold was at one point, uh, around or north of 2000, um, silver, um, you know, as, as recently as, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago was, was up moving up north of $27 an ounce, right? And here it is back around $25 an ounce. And yet, if you look on a broader time scale, you know, if you look, uh, you know, roughly nine months ago, um, silver was, you know, sub $15 an ounce paper silver, um, during the, the, the depths of the market crash in March of 2020, the COVID related market crash, uh, silver paper, silver was well below $15 an ounce. Um, of course, we, we weren't buying it, you know, physical silver at that price. Most of it was sold out. A lot of dealers experienced extremely high volume during that time period. But if you do look further back, for, for many years, you know, 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, we saw silver kind of trading in this range between, you know, 13 or $14 an ounce and 20, you know, sometimes north of $20 an ounce in this range. In fact, many of us had months and months and months, years to accumulate silver at sub $20, sometimes at sub $15, you know, and after premium, even some of it was around $15 an ounce. And yet here we are with silver at $25 an ounce. Is that too expensive? Well, you know, I'll be frank with you. I'd, I'd love to just be a cheerleader for silver and say it's still a value because it's going to go to X dollar amount, right? $100, $50 an ounce or whatever. Um, and I do believe it will. I believe that's that's fairly likely. And I believe that it's not only going to do it because of inflation, but it's going to outpace inflation. Um, it certainly is due for that. Uh, be, because it hasn't followed inflation, true inflation for so long now. Um, and it certainly will head there. However, you're also looking at other options, 
relative to just physical silver or physical gold when you're when you're asking that question is it too expensive is it too expensive relative to what um i personally am not accumulating physical silver right now partly it's because i have other expenses but but partly it's because i maybe because i was spoiled had years months and years in which I saw silver trading at sub $20 an ounce at sub $15 an ounce. I don't think silver will ever be sub $20 an ounce again, unless we have some, you know, short-term crash, much like March of, of 2020. Um, I don't think we'll see that again, but I did have a long time with markets at those price. Same thing goes for gold, you know, 13, 1200, uh, you know, $1,100 an ounce. Um, we, we had plenty of time to, to accumulate metals at those prices. Many of you guys did take advantage of that. And here we are with them at a much higher level. And, and I feel that even though silver and gold are going to go much higher, you do have to ask yourself, if I have a def- decent position in physical silver or physical gold, is there somewhere else that I can be putting my money? Now, I will say this. Silver is not expensive relative to bond prices relative to the stock market, relative to real estate, relative to inflation over the last 10 or 20 years, plus, you know, expected inflation over the next 10 or 20 years. You know, silver is not expensive relative to those things. In fact, the only thing silver is expensive relative to is where it was a year ago and two years ago and three years ago and et cetera. Um, and it's certainly not expensive relative to gold. Even with the gold to silver ratio having come down um, a fair bit in the last, uh, you know, the last nine months or what have you, um, the silver gold ratio still sits in the mid seventies. Actually, as I speak right now, it's about uh, 73.75, right? So, so no, silver is not expensive relative to those things. It's simply expensive relative to where it was for so long. And, and many of us were spoiled with prices for so low for so long. However, I do wonder that if, for those of you that have a decent physical position in, in precious metals, and, and certainly I would say that my physical position is probably not what you'd consider decent relative to a lot of you that probably have tens of thousands of ounces, thousands of ounces. Um, you know, I haven't had maybe the same income, the same ability to, to, to stack at that pace, uh, over the past five years. Remember I was going to, I was in grad school for many of these past years, you know, um, certainly not now, but, but I was. And so, I mean, that's, you know, puts a limit on my income. Um, if you do have that type of a position, you have to ask yourself, is there something else in the market or specifically the, the metal space that offers a better value. And specifically what I'm thinking of, what I'm alluding to is mining stocks. Mining stocks have to be a consideration. Now I know that, that many of you choose physical silver and gold for a reason because you, you know for sure that you own it, right? That the whole, if you don't hold it, you don't own it, um, rings true for, for so many asset classes these days, um, that, that that don't have that same assurance as physical silver and gold. Mining shares are not without their risks. I'm talking about risks besides, well, the price of the company going down because of the price of precious metals going down, right? There are other risks that are involved with mining stocks, junior mining stocks, exploration, uh, metal stocks, you know, ones that maybe don't actually do mining, but they just explore. There is risks associated with that. 
there's management risks, or I should say mismanagement of, of company resources. Um, there is risk of regular, you know, regulatory risk in many countries. There's political risk in many countries. Um, there's risk of, of, uh, you know, the exchanges in, in which you're, you know, exchanging these, these stocks, uh, like with any other stock, you know, there's a risk that, that you may not actually end up owning the mining stock when it's all said and done because of who you're buying it through, et cetera. Um, you know, there's a lot more risks that go into, to all these mining stocks, um, than, than, than is the case for, for physical silver and gold. However, you know, I think the majority of my listeners, the majority of silver and gold stackers understand that you can't completely avoid every risk. Um, because ultimately what you end up with just, is just physical silver and gold. And, and that's not to say that it's bad, but when people do say things like silver and gold don't, don't have a yield, they don't have a dividend, um, they don't make profits, they don't work for you, they're sort of correct. Now I know, um, one company in particular recently started a gold lease. They've already had a silver lease for some time now. And, and so there's ways to make money with that. Um, but, you know, maybe the best way to, to make a, a long-term play. If you are looking for a dividend, if you are looking for something that makes money and is related to precious metals, it's mining stocks. And mining stocks are, you know, when you look at their prices, that their charts, they are not as expensive maybe as silver and gold. Now, to be clear, 2020 was a really good year for mining stocks. Mostly because silver and gold is a very good year for silver and gold. And if you look at them relative to their March lows or, or, um, even their 2020 highs, they still look fairly expensive, maybe. But what you have to understand is that mining stocks are essentially a leverage play on precious metals without the risk that maybe comes associated with more classic ways to use leverage, including debt, margin, etc. Uh, they are a leveraged play. Certainly they come with some risks. But what I mean by that is that if you have a mining company, silver or gold, um, let's say they are worth $20 a share, let's say, at, at $1,300 gold. Okay. And they are breaking even, or, or let's say they're, they're making a small profit, right? Um, a small, uh, profit, let's say they're, they're getting it out of the ground and, you know, they're all in sustained costs is about 1250, right? So they're making $50 an ounce. When gold moves up to 1400, they're now making twice as much, sorry, three times as much, three times as much per ounce. When gold moves up to 1500 and they're now making five times as much. When gold moves to 3000, somebody help me out with the math here. They're now making, um, like 30 some times as much, 35 times somewhere in that ballpark. Um, that's a significant appreciation in, in the value. And, and, and generally their earnings per share goes up accordingly. I, not perfectly and, and not in a perfect correlation or anything like that, but it does go up in a, in a leveraged manner, right? As a multiple of the actual price of silver, silver or gold. And so if you do think that silver and gold are headed to $50 an ounce for silver, you know, 3000 for gold, or maybe double that or triple that in a non hyperinflationary environment, maybe just a high inflationary environment, then you have to wonder where do mining stocks come into play? Now, yes, there's risks. If you think they're going there because of a hyperinflationary collapse, then, you know, 
any private company is is at risk in that type of a scenario. If you think the U.S. Uh, is heading towards, let's say, communism, or or certainly a more communist or socialistic society than we are currently, well, any again, any private profitable company is at risk in that type of a situation. But, and and I and I wouldn't necessarily disagree with either of those premises that we certainly are heading in both those directions. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a time to, you know, that you won't have a chance to exit said position with a nice gain on your mining stock. And that's kind of where I want to go with this conversation. That physical silver and gold, I think, have very good prospects. Both have very good prospects um, in spite of, uh, you know, cryptocurrencies and, and their significant move up in the past, you know, six months or uh, silver and gold's recent decline, despite, you know, things like, like a $2 trillion expected, um, stimulus package to be passed through Congress as soon as Biden takes office. Despite those things, I think silver and gold are set for a, a great 2021, 2022. I mean, they, they have a bright future because of some of these factors that come into play. You do have to ask yourself though, you know, should I be making a leverage play on this? Should I be making a leverage play on this through a safer form of leverage, i.e. mining stocks. And maybe I'm preaching to the choir for a lot of you. I understand a lot of you have researched this or you do own mining stocks. But for those of you that are looking at precious metals now and are thinking, I just can't bring myself to buy this because it, it looks expensive, you know, consider what the price of a mining, a silver mining stock is. Let's say, you know, First Majestic or something similar. What would happen to that stock should silver, you know, quadruple in price? I can tell you that First Majestic very well would do more than just uh, quadruple in price. You know, the other thing I want to talk about today was, was I don't know, a rant, I guess you could say, about um, markets these days. I mean, precious metals aside, um, most of today's marketplace continues to be uh, at, at really absurd valuations. You can add silver and gold in there as well. Silver and gold are at sort of an absurd valuation as they have been for a very long time. Uh, the, the one difference being that they are absurdly low in terms of their valuations. Most of the marketplace, that's not the case. The bond market continues to be in a massive bubble. The stock market continues to be in a, in a very large bubble. You know, the, the one that always gets me is, is Tesla. You know, Tesla is a company that I've, I've talked about at length, um, for many years now. Um, I was looking at Tesla back when it was, you know, pre stock, um, split. It was, was at, uh, $300 a share, which today, um, today's share price, which is $826. Uh, of course, markets are closed today is the equivalent of uh, roughly like 4,000 some dollars a share. I forget the exact math on it. Um, so it's it's gone up over 10 times since I, I started talking about this. You know, the market cap has gone from roughly 50 billion to um, almost $800 billion, um, larger than uh, GM, Ford, Toyota, you know, Volkswagen, Nissan, a couple other companies combined. It's just an insane valuation. And you, you ask yourself, you know, the, the P for the company, I think, is north of like uh, $1,500, I mean, something ridiculous like that. Um, you ask yourself, you know, how long can these types of things go on? 
these excesses. I don't want to go into why they they exist because maybe I and 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 so many others have beat the dead horse on that one regarding low interest rates, Federal Reserve, um, you know, fiscal policy, etc. But but Tesla has always been one that just stands out to me as such a a gross example of of this excess that exists in today's markets. Money is coming easy in today's markets, right? Look at crypto. And and hey, I'll say I've been, you know, dabbling in cryptocurrencies. I've been buying or trading cryptocurrencies. I currently have uh, basically no exposure to them right now um, because it's not something I trust in long term in terms of being a sustainable investment, maybe a sustainable form of money money one day uh, or something along those lines or fiat, but, but not, not an investment right now. Um, but, but you look at how easy money has come for some of these traders, some of these investors in the crypto space or in the, the tech stock space. Um, it, it, it is, it reeks of a bubble, of a bubble that, that really has been going on for many years now. Tesla was in a bubble when it was valued at $50 billion, right? The stock market was in a bubble four years ago after the um, after the inauguration of, of Donald Trump, right? And it's an even bigger bubble today. And the difference about this bubble is just how coordinated central banks and governments have been about maintaining this bubble with low interest rates, with quantitative easing, with repo market operations, with um, fiscal stimulus, I mean, they've been very um, proactive in many cases in in maintaining the size of this bubble. Look no further than than the Fed and their actions in March and April of 2020 um, and their actions since then. Massive amounts of stimulus, fiscal and monetary stimulus by the U.S. government, by the Federal Reserve, other governments and central banks the world over since that you know, since the pandemic started and, and really started to affect the economy. They've been coordinated. They've been very effective in maintaining this bubble. But it doesn't mean it's not a bubble. And that doesn't mean it cannot pop. I think we're at the point here where central banks and governments are, are and this has been a long, long-held view of mine. They've gotten to the point now, and, and, and again, so they've probably been at this point for a couple of years now, where they are doing their very best to maintain this bubble, the stock market and, 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 and other, you know, real estate markets and whatnot, that ultimately what's going to happen is they're going to, to, I think, sacrifice the dollar or fiat currency the world over to, to do their best to maintain this bubble. I, I think that their definition of sacrifice may be different than you and I, or, or, um, allow for a decline in a fiat currency that, that the, that the decline that occurs may far exceed what they expect. They may be expecting a you know, 10, 20% decline in, in said fiat currency, the dollar and, and other major currencies. And they might end up with a currency that is worth 10 or 20% of, of what it's worth right now or less um, or much, much less. And ultimately what happens in that situation is, is that the bond market would go as well. Now, and, 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 Economies would go as well. The stock market ultimately would go as well. Um, it's just a matter of when, and it's a matter of timing, right? 
Um, but, but they have made it quite clear that they will do almost anything to keep this, this economic, um, fantasy that, that we live in sort of a reality. Uh, we're all living in excess right now. I think the stock market is in a massive excess right now. Uh, and, and, you know, with, with another fiscal stimulus package, $2 trillion coming along, um, and, and, and $2 trillion that likely will have to be monetized by the Federal Reserve, uh, in addition to their, you know, ongoing monetization of debt, um, this bubble may not go away anytime soon, but, you know, with an extra $2 trillion of fiscal stimulus and an additional QE that, that is undoubtedly QE forever, and is only going to be expanded more and more. We we will I, we have already started seeing inflation, and we will see inflation continue to rise in in the U.S. dollar, in the U.S. and in other currencies as well. And and I think that's going to be the the uh, that's going to be what ultimately pops this bubble, right? Who was it? I, I I've been listening to Naval. Uh, he's on Twitter, but, but he does some podcasts as well. And, and he was talking about, uh, MMT, modern monetary theory. And, and this pesky thing in, called inflation that basically MMT is a great theory if you leave out the one major flaw. And, and that is that it causes a, an increase in inflation. I shouldn't say the one, you know, another major one is also, um, political risk that, that MMT is abused for political reasons. But, the other major one is, is that there's this thing called inflation. But yeah, we can print money. Yes, we can spend massive deficits and it may, you know, cause a, an economic boon over the short term. But there's this thing called inflation and inflation is inevitable, inevitable, an inevitable result of, of fiscal stimulus, of, of money printing, of, of, uh, trying to prevent the, the, the popping of this bubble. Um, so as always, I'd like to thank every one of you for, for listening to today's podcast. Uh, maybe this will become more regular once again. Um, but as always, I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in and God bless.